Hello, and welcome to the Cycles 8th uh, episode of our podcast. Uh, today we have Elton Canero uh, from Backblaze. And uh, we have a lot of really exciting things to talk about today. Uh, I've been excited for, I've been looking forward to filming this episode for uh, a, a while now. Uh, Elton and I have, we've, we've, we've been in contact for, well, we've been working with Backblaze for a number of years now, but Elton and I have, have, have started talking recently and, uh, sorry, not even recently, it's been months now. I don't know, yeah. time, time's a bit of a blur, but, uh, you know, just really excited to be able to, to do this podcast with Backblaze and have Elton here. And so, uh, I guess starting off, Elton, uh, it'd be great to hear, you know, what you do at Backblaze, maybe an introduction for people who have not heard about Backblaze before and just, yeah. Yeah. Thanks Jake. And, uh, thanks for the invite. Uh, you know, really excited to be doing this podcast with you and you know we'll, you know we'll dive into the details more but you know i was super impressed when i came across cycle and i'm still super impressed at all the things you guys have accomplished but a little bit about me uh, my name is elton canero i head up the partnership team here at backblaze my role covers all our technology partners alliance partners channel as well as our msp programs and for you guys who have not heard of backblaze we are a platform a storage platform in the cloud that allows you know customers to store any kinds of data in the cloud. We offer two services, our computer backup service as well as our B2 cloud storage service. Uh, computer backup service is offered at you know, $7 per device per month, back up as much data as you want. But the platform that we built on top of our computer backup service backend infrastructure is our B2 cloud storage. And that's available for you at half a penny a gig, $5 per terabyte, store any kinds of data you wish. Um, and you know we've been doing this for a long time. The company was founded in 2007 with the computer backup service. We've evolved, we've grown. Uh, we have over close to two exabytes of data under management. You know half a million customers globally, and uh, we do what we do best is store data. No, excellent. And so you said two exabytes of data. Do you have any like rough idea, like how many drives that is or how many servers or like anything that like helps put that in perspective to people who might not realize just how much data two exabytes are? It, totally. Yeah. So um, it, it, if you haven't had a chance, I highly encourage you to look at our blog. We have a quarterly published blog that we put out every quarter uh, around our hard drive stats. And uh, we, we have close to 200,000 spinning hard drives in our data centers across multiple regions globally. Uh, each, we, we, we carry a number of different hard drives, different sizes, different formats, different companies. Uh, we keep, you know, we, we basically spread our business across all the large hard drive manufacturers, but uh, yeah, close to 200,000. And, you know, we also introduced in our latest edition of the hard drive uh, stats blog, um, how SSDs play a role in our infrastructure. So highly encourage you to, uh, if you haven't had a chance, take a look. If you're out looking for hard drives to purchase hard drive for whatever reason, uh, we give you all the you know annualized failure rates of those hard drives, how they're performing, which models are performing better than others. So it gives you an understanding of you know where you should put your money in terms of buying storage. And uh, as, as you mentioned that, I remember uh, one of the the first times I ever came across Backblaze. This was before we had had formed, uh, before our company started working together back in. I think we've been working together since like early 2019 now, maybe even 20, maybe even late 2018. Um, yeah. But one of the first things I came across with Backblaze was one of those blogs uh, that that you put out about um, the hard drive, how many hard drives you had, and, and the failure rate uh, by different hard uh, uh, manufacturer and things like that. And I was like, 
man, like that's actually really interesting because like that's almost data you could sell back to the manufacturers as like, like, you know, how reliable is your stuff? And because I mean, obviously if you have 200,000 drives that you are working with, uh, I mean, that's a definitely a, at scale. So, you know, you actually have real numbers to indicate what, which are better than others or, or at least more reliable, maybe is the, the better term. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And uh, so the reason for you know, for us to do this is more to give back to the community, right? We we understand that you know nearly every person out there owns some form of a hard drive, either it's in their laptop, in their desktop, and a lot of you know consumers, also prosumers, go out and buy you know NAS devices where they need to go and buy hard drives that fit into NAS device. You know, we understand that you know like with anything else, some things will fail better more than others. Some things are built more durable than others. Uh, which we, at first it's just about giving back to the community and letting the community know you know what's going on in our data centers how we see the things that we have purchased performing our data centers and that goes back to kind of the the mantra and the philosophy of backblaze this is going back to the transparency factor and just making sure that you know we talk about what we do openly in our blog so other than the hard drive stats I'm sure you know for you know for viewers out there who want to learn more about backblaze you know, uh, lots and lots of different stories, articles on, you know, the company, where we came from, where we're going, some of the cool stuff we've done, as well as, you know, what, uh, you know, what our thoughts are on the various different industry aspects that, you know, up, come, up and coming. Excellent. And I, I do have one last question on, uh, on on the drives thing. This is just me nerding out for a moment. So I remember when I first created an account with Backblaze, when I was just playing around with it years ago, you had a thing called... And, and I might be remembering wrong, but I believe it was called a fireball or something like that. And it was this, well, I guess maybe, I mean, you, sorry, you do a much better job of explaining it. But I, I, my my recollection of it was that it was this, this storage device that I could rent from you, fill up with data. So that way I didn't have to, to send, you know, potentially terabytes of data over the Internet and then physically mail it back to you. Um, what, what's that about? Obviously, I've never used it, but it's amazing that some companies have that much data that they that's important to them. Totally, yeah, and and and, and you're totally right. So the Fireball service, it's a rapid ingest service that we offer to the state, right? Uh, we've actually increased the capacity of the of each Fireball and how much how much data a customer can store on it. But the idea is just that you rent this device from us, um, and we send, we ship it to you. Um, you basically connect it into your network copy all the data you want to copy over to Backblaze, ship it back to us. We'll load it up, you know, using our fast, uh, you know, connectivity into our cloud and store it in the bucket of your choice. Uh, you know, the whole premise around this is we totally get that. You can only send so much data through the internet connection that you have, right? You know, to put things into perspective, uh, a one gigabit per second, you know, if you were to transfer data 24 hours a day, you'd be getting about 10 terabytes in terms of data transfer per day. Uh, on our fireball, we have a capacity of 100 gigs, so 96 gigs, uh, you know, more or less. And, uh, you know, that over the internet was going to take you about 9 to 10 days to transfer the data. With the fireball service, you can plug it in the network, use any solution you want to copy data, and we have integrations with all kinds of different, you know, uh, technologies out there that if, if you're using them on-premise. Otherwise, even Windows copy or, you know, Linux copy command, you copy the data over to the fireball and, you know, you send it back to us and your data goes into, into your bucket and voila i mean it's just again it's just so neat like it reminds me of um i'm guessing you you know you being in, in data storage you've seen uh the there's a there's a wikipedia um article about it and i believe it's it's uh 
uh, I believe it's like uh, uh, IP over carrier pigeon or something like that. Where uh, have you have you seen have you come across that? Where it's, it, like it's like someone literally was sending a flash drive with you know attached to a carrier pigeon you know to transmit data, and it was amazing because like it's a super high latency, and then suddenly when you get the data, it's this huge you know subset of it. And it's interesting, just like it's like you know. To, to think back, and I know that with internet speeds faster now, you know, today it's, it's, it's less so important, but like, you know, back when this initial, like, you know, a test was done, you know, you had, you know, a max internet speed of maybe 10 megabits. And so the fact that someone could attach a flash drive to a bird and just send it, and you had more throughput via literally a physical bird was actually really, uh, you know, exciting and, and kind of funny as, you yeah. know, but... <laughs> the, the term, the term uh, I used to uh, use a lot is sneaker net. Yes, basically, yes. someone filling a backpack full of hard drives and running across home, you know, traveling whichever way of, you know, commuting they want to choose to travel across from one place to another and, and, and moving data faster that way. Uh, we've evolved, yes. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, we, we have, uh, you know, lots of people have gigabit connections going into their home, you know, multiple 10 gigs going into data centers, etc. Um, you know, we we have tons of bandwidth coming to our data center. Like we have over 800 gigabits per second coming to our data center, and and and, and so we can take in at any point in time. You know, if we do the math around that, right? Uh, 10 gigabits can push 100 terabytes a day. 100 gigabits can push a petabyte a day. So. If you calculate 100 gigabits times eight, we can, we can take in you know likelihoods of eight to nine petabytes of data at, at any point in time. That is insane, insane. Yeah. But but it, that helps also you know bridge these conversations, right? Because like yeah. as we as 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 we were as we you know cycle, we're looking for a partner um, for for storage because like like as I've already mentioned during this call, and for anyone who's yeah. not, or sorry during this 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 uh, podcast, and uh, for anyone who's not familiar, we did partner with Backblaze back in again I don't remember exactly when it was. I think it was late 2018, maybe early 2019. I don't know. Time's a bit of a blur. But we but we integrated with with Backblaze because we wanted to be able to store our, our base container images, right? And that was a, a, a perspective that we took that was maybe different than a lot of other container companies in the spaces. A lot of other companies said, hey, you know, we're going to integrate with Docker Hub or some other registry. But the idea was that you would still store the main container images yourself. And anytime that container platform would need that image, it would repull it from your data source. And our thought was, well, what happens if someday if Docker Hub changes their pricing model, which they ended up doing? Or what if they limit how many you know images you can pull, which they ended up doing? Like there's so many things that we tried to eliminate those risks to us that we said, hey, when you pull in an image, we are going to actually store a copy of that image ourselves. And as a company, we decided, you know, we need to find a reliable, solid object storage provider that allows us to store an infinite amount of data without us having to be responsible for, you know, deploying new servers or installing some open source software to help manage, you know, a huge <laughs> deployment of, of, of storage. So obviously Backblaze was the company that we chose. And it was really neat because like, again, as, you, as you're talking about the, the capabilities of Backblaze today and how much data you can store and how much, how much you know, the, the bandwidth that can come in and out is, is just insane. Because like when we were going through that initial testing, we tried a couple different providers, um, you, you know, before we ended up saying, hey, you know, Backblaze is the answer here. And it was crazy because like some of these providers like, hey, we had good download speeds, but the upload speeds were terrible or, or maybe the opposite. And, or sometimes it was re unreliable. And so with, with Backblaze, it was like that perfect, that perfect, I don't know, I guess that perfect spot or uh, maybe the, the, the criteria that we needed that allowed us to solve that problem. 
And so uh, uh, we started talking, what, I think three or four months ago now. Mm -hmm. um, all right, let's, 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 let's continue building this partnership on. And uh, beyond just being able to store these base container images, uh, we wanted to be able to store backups and things, which was, uh, which was a feature that we had requested from uh, a number of, our, sorry, we wanted to store backups that our, our users were generating uh, as our users. That was a, a highly requested feature that a number of our, our customers were asking for, right? And so I don't want to get into backups yet, but because uh, I think there's a lot of fun stuff to dive into. But specifically, of, I want to talk about why it made a lot of sense for our two companies just to not only had we worked together before, but to make that partnership more, you know, to, to increase the depth of it and work together in, in so many other ways. And I know that backups is the start of it, and there's some other things we have planned for down the road road um but um as uh, I, I think the thing that resonated really well with us is we both realized that at the end of the day we are our, our, our best uh, maybe best is the wrong word but we we understand developers we work with developers and if, if it'd be it'd be great to hear you know uh, about backblaze's experience with with selling to developers and working with developers and just simply that <laughs> Yeah, totally. And it's interesting because, uh, you know, the, the, the thing that you just, uh, you know, that you integrated Backblaze for and, uh, you know, recently at least is going back to how we built our business and the fundamental use case on what we built our business, which is backup, right? We allowed customers to back up the data to the cloud, have a copy in the cloud. So if anything would have happened, they could easily recover, restore from where they left off. Uh, you know, to segue into you know the kind of audience that you know a cycle is, is is focused on, as well as also what we are focused on today, is the developer segment. Um, we started seeing a lot of our customers uh, come to us and you know say, "Hey, we are building in the cloud. We need reliable cloud storage so we can continue building in the cloud, and we need to make sure that we can serve our entire business from the cloud." We don't have on-prem infrastructure. Everything is running in the cloud, and we have a storage platform. And why this happened, when this happened, uh, if we go back to last year, we launched the S3-compatible APIs. So what this allowed us to do is, this allowed us to uh, offer our public cloud storage using the same API that our developer customers were accustomed to when they touched developing on Amazon or on Google or other clouds out there. Uh, and by doing so, you know, we made it super simple for developers to be able to make that switch from using those clouds to start using Backblaze or B2 for, you know, for the storage needs. Um, and we started basically getting a lot of the customers who had built on Amazon and built on other clouds starting to move to Backblaze B2 and using us. And, you know, the use cases are mostly around how do I serve up content efficiently? How do I serve up data efficiently? not only store data fish, but also to be able to retrieve it and give it to back to people who need to consume that data in various different forms. And, you know, we've built an ecosystem around our storage platform. We focus on storage, that's what we do. We love doing storage, but we've built an ecosystem of partners around what we've built to allow our customers to leverage the features functionalities of building in the cloud. Whether it's they need to use a CDN, whether they're looking to run compute, whether they're looking to do you know things like image resizing or video transcoding, this can all be done in the cloud today, and you're not limited to you know having to do that you know a capex purchase of licenses, software infrastructure, and this this can all be done in the cloud, and you know we're seeing a lot more developers starting to build in the cloud, store in the cloud, 
consuming the cloud versus having to worry about buying on-premise infrastructure. Have you, so with the developers, uh, the developer segment, as, as you as you referenced, that you've been working with, have you found any like really niche kind of verticals that uh, your customer you've seen most of your customers fit into? I mean, obviously, you, you know, Backblaze does a lot with backups, but uh, did you see that like you have a lot of companies coming to you for storing videos, or is like there a specific niche that you've you've just encountered more than another? Totally. And so one of the biggest niches like, is, is being basically around delivery, right? So content delivery, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, a company that's building out a photo library for their customers, being able to deliver photos over the web, uh, whether it's a company building a video. So, uh, you know, we have a case study with a, with a company called Canopy. So Canopy is like the Netflix, but for libraries, etc where they can basically host a whole bunch of content that isn't Netflix audience, but it's more for education purposes and so on. And, you know, they had built on Amazon and they had decided to move to Backbase B2 because we were able to offer them the storage platform that they needed for to be able to deliver to their customers attached with a CDN network that allowed them to basically get that optimal edge experience at really low latency to the edge experience and be able to allow the consumers to consume the content that they have sitting in Backblaze B2. So lots of different uh, use cases, but definitely uh, the video image workflows being able to deliver that is a niche. Um, as well as, you know, think of anyone out there that's, that's building any solution, any product out there, whether it's like Time back to you know uh, Jake, what you're doing with at Cycle. We need to back up your cloud infrastructure, cloud containers to backblaze to being able to just store data, whether whatever the data may be. Just you know, if you need to store it in the cloud. Uh, you know, the, the different APIs exist today. Uh, one of the most common ones is the S3 API in terms of interfacing with cloud storage, and and we offer that. So um, definitely, you know, again. Endless up and endless different workflows, but feel free to come reach out. You know, reach out to us, and we're happy to engage with you and talk to you how it's possible to use that place. And uh, I guess uh, with, with with that last note, I saw on your website, I think it was last week, that you had a you had I don't want to call it a promotion, but you had uh, some sort of announcement up where you were talking about how if people were hosting over at, uh, at S three or. I think it was S3 and was it was it Google was the other one? How you were saying, hey, if you're hosting there today, uh, reach out and you know we there's we have we have we have a, a, a sub we have a set of tools and things like that um, that can help move those companies over to Backblaze. If you want to dive into that, yeah, totally. So you know, uh, going back to what I mentioned, you know, last year we launched the S3 APIs, right? And we started seeing all these customers were built on Amazon. Um, you know, one of the biggest objections that we faced when we started, you know, targeting customers that we wanted to kind of save money, save costs, but also, you know, um, look at leaving Amazon for whatever reason. Uh, the biggest objection is the egress fees on Amazon or other clouds, right? You know, the, uh, the term being used is like, you know, the, these clouds are like Hotel California. You know, once you check in, you can never check out, right? And 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 they make it really expensive for customers to check out and move the, the data out of those clouds. So we got crafty. We put together a solution, a service actually, uh, that uh, a customer pays zero dollars for. If they have more than ten terabytes and you're on Amazon, Google, name your cloud out there, uh, we'll migrate that data for you at no cost to the customer, 
and we take care of the egress fees we take care of the migration fees it's pretty much like a white glove service that you get to benefit as a customer and uh, your, your data basically ends up in backbase b2 for you to continue consuming and the good part about it is that all you do is switch an endpoint and with technologies like you know cdns you can get really smart by putting in rules into cdn that says hey uh for the first x amount of time while the migration is happening you know make sure you you know the query goes first to your original origin uh, origin store if you get back a 404 redirect to backface b2 and after a certain amount of time when you know majority of your content is sitting in backface b2 you can have the request flow to backface b2 and if you get a 404 go back to the other origin store so you can actually still remain in production still remain serving your customers and from your customer's standpoint nothing's going on but you're actually moving your entire storage from one platform from one cloud to another cloud i mean excellent 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 and like so on that same note like do you like do you have any idea what the largest migration you've you've performed yet is uh i would say it's over a petabyte <laughs> And it's do you have any idea how long that took to, to, to migrate? So we, we, you know, as I mentioned, we can do anywhere from 200 to 300 terabytes a day out of any of the public clouds. We, can we go faster? Probably. But at the same time, right, uh, we have realized that there's a sweet spot in terms of moving content out whereby we're bound to be, you know, hit less issues overall obviously the faster you go the more issues you get but you know we've we've been able to uh, you know push the envelope to around 200 300 terabytes a day uh, we've we, we, we've more like been shy to go faster not that we can't go faster it's just for us that, that those speeds are perfectly fine for a customer wanting to leave the fact that we can do it that fast is just imp super impressive no it, it, it absolutely is um it's just i mean like it's hard to comprehend how much data that is. Like, if you actually think about it, like, you know, and, and you realize, like, just, you know, copying even a terabyte, how much that is. And then when you realize that, okay, now you're doing that, you know, exponentially is just insane. Yeah. Um, and so, so the complexity is not only around, uh, you know, how much data. There's also complexity on how many objects are you migrating, right? It's, you know, you could have, you know, uh, a terabyte file and then 10 of them makes 10 terabytes great moving 10 objects is not that challenging but if you have let's say 10 terabyte that is basically composed of millions and millions of objects the complexity there is far you know it's far higher than than moving 10 objects at a terabyte each right so it's 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 size and amount of data and amount of files that definitely uh, makes it interesting makes it challenging for some of the migrations that we've done and, and we've done something like, you know, 300, 400 million objects at a time. <laughs> That's insane. That's insane. And so, uh, you know, again, as we, we talked about developers and yeah. things, uh, you know, it, it's, it's really neat just being able to to work with another company. That, again, because with, with Cycle, we 90 95 maybe even 99 percent of our audience is developers like that's that's who we work with and i think well not even i think but compared to most companies in our space um where like if you're a container orchestration platform most of the time you're working with 
more DevOps than developers, Cycle's whole whole goal and focus is to allow developers to do, to have the capabilities of a, uh, of a DevOps team without necessarily needing a DevOps team to be in the middle, right? So it's really neat because we both Cycle and Backblaze are able to have that relationship directly with those developers, and in in, in a way that we can empower them to do a lot of things, right? And so so again, so I mean, obviously the partnership makes complete sense between both of our companies. But as we as we dive into you know what is the next step of this, this partnership look like um and obviously you know backblaze has done backups for a long time yeah. uh now now it's neat to be able to offer that functionality to cycle and yeah. one of the ways that we've done it is actually really neat because one i mean obviously uh you know between our two companies we had a conversation last week where uh we had a conversation last week where um it was how, how can we so i guess maybe let me talk about the problem first um the problem is if a, if if a user has a container and that container has a volume attached to it and that volume has maybe nine gigabytes of storage used but that the volume sorry the volume has is a 10 gigabyte volume in total but it's nine gigabytes used so there's only one gigabyte free we can't compress that nine gigabytes down to fit in that extra gig you know to allow us to build a full backup so the question that we had last week uh when you know in, in the backblaze channel is uh, how can we stream this data in a way that allows us to, um, I mean, sorry, this, this streaming was, was something that we had already built in, but we didn't realize the issue was if we don't know the total size of that file beforehand, you know, that, uh, the, you know, the, the API that we were, sorry, the backblaze API expected us to know that file size ahead of time. And when we didn't, when we didn't even know ourselves, it made it a lot more tricky. And so, uh, and the, the reasoning behind that is, is obviously purely, I mean, Obviously, for Backblaze, it makes a lot of sense because as you are getting ready to accept a file to put on your different pods and things, you need to know what is the total size that, I want, you, that a user wants to store so that you can properly put that where it needs to be. In our case, we said, hey, we don't want to store anything on our infrastructure larger than a small, small subset because we, if a user doesn't have that much extra space sitting around on their server to do a backup, we don't want to fill up their server with a backup and prevent that download from actually happening, right? Or sorry, that upload from actually happening. And so uh, the so anyway, that was kind of the, the context of the problem. And then so the solution ended up being that we allowed or we, we wrote the functionality so that as we start building that backup, we write the first 50 megabytes to disk. And then from that point, we can say, all right, we know that this is either going to be larger than 50 megabytes or it's 50, mites, 50 megabytes or less. And that allows us to use the, the proper API call it backwards to figure out where how we should upload that data, right? And But it's really neat because uh, the neat thing about Backblaze's API integration is that if you if you need to upload a large file, obviously you can use the 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 large. I think it's just called large file. Large um, file upload, yeah. Yeah, yeah you can use the large file upload, and but the neat thing about that is you only have to know the size of the part, the part. not the entire file. And so we we built this kind of buffer process where we we would you know only buffer fifty megabytes at a time, and then we'd say, hey, is this is this a full part? And then upload it, and we'd automatically like increase it along the way. So it's really neat because the 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 uh, the how that works for our users now is if they have whether they have two megabytes of data and you know maybe it's a brand new database that they just want to start backing up from day one, or maybe it's a customer that has. 10 terabytes of videos that they want to back up. Cycle will, will do those backups with only using 50 megabytes of data um, at a time. And yeah. so it's just really cool because we're, we're, you know, we're, we're, no, we're not 
We're not taking someone's valuable disk space where they're running their actual applications and using a big portion of that for those backups, which is really cool. And it, it, like, I, so we, we obviously, you know, we have a number, we've done, we've gone through a lot of testing with that and the fact that it's working really well and everything is just really, really cool um, with, with being able to do that. And um, totally. And, and the key part there, which I feel that, uh, you know, I think you should highlight is that you're able to solve this by looking at our documentation and reading that because I don't think I responded quick enough before you solved that problem. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, our documentation definitely helps guide that. But the difference is, you know, there is a difference between our file upload versus our large file upload. The large file upload, you, you know, you, you, all you have to do is make sure you specify the part size. And uh, as long as all parts except for the last one are the same, you won't get any issues. The last one, the last part is allowed to be smaller than the other parts because that's the way the large file upload works in that sense. But uh, yeah, definitely, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, our, our developer, you know, partners as well, developers start looking at our APIs. And the same thing exists on Amazon S3 API, whereby um, if, you know, depending on the, the size of the file you want to put, there's two ways to do it. You can just do an upload file option, you know, route or the large file upload. The large file uploads allows you to break it down into multiple different parts and then you basically you, you concatenate all the parts at the end to form a large object. Right? So uh, it's a similar boat. Well, and, and the other thing that I like about it is the fact that um, with your API, I mean, I, I'm sure other people su support this as well. I haven't looked extensively, but I like that your, with, with Backwiz API that you can specifically say, hey, I will append an SSH hash, or sorry, not SSH, an SHA1 hash um, yeah. at the end of the segment that I'm sending you. That way, instead of me having to know that ahead of time, I can build a streamable format. And then at the very end of that, that each individual part, I can attach that hash then. And so that's how this, this ended up working really well is because I don't have to, like, so I, I wrote a buffer that as little as I'm reading in data, I am building that hash as I go. So it's not like I have to build this part, go back, read it again, and, you know, calculate the hash at that time. It's literally just, you know, using, like, so I don't know if we've talked about this, you know, extensively, but 100% of Cycle's backend is written in Golang. And oh. so within Golang, like, you have, you kind of have this, like, inherent kind of push to have to build everything in a streamable format where you're, you're working with it's either four kilobyte blocks or six, 64 kilobyte blocks i don't remember which but the idea is that most of those most of those functions are built kind of inherently with that approach so if you so the fact that we were able to build that approach into backblaze as well is is really really neat and again it, it allows our users to be able to back up extremely large amounts of data without using more of that disk space um, and then have those backups be on a reliable object storage provider like like backblaze is is huge yeah i don't know jake i think you you, you basically laid the foundation of a great blog post so looking forward to <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely um but the, the other thing that i want to talk about because uh you know we're talking about this backups functionality uh the day this podcast goes live uh that backup functionality will also be going live and so um so uh when when when, when uh, simply that so when when users will be able to when if, if you're watching this right now uh, the backup functionality is live. Feel free to give it a test. If you encounter any issues, you know, please don't hesitate to reach out. Um, but there's one other thing that I'd like to talk about with the backups that is really neat of and how we implemented this, uh, as opposed to um, as opposed to some other strategies that we've seen other companies do. And as we go back to kind of that streamable approach that I was just talking about, um, we 
there's a lot of backup solutions that say like, hey, like just point me at a directory and I'll go back it up for you, right? But that requires extra disk space, right? Because like if you have like, let's say you're working with a MySQL database or a cluster and you do like a MySQL dump, do you really want to dump all that data to a directory just to back it up only to delete that, that, that directory, right? And so the approach that Cycle took is we don't look for a file path, we don't look for a directory, we just capture the standard output, right? So the idea is that you can run any command you want and as long as you output it back to the console during that backup command, we will capture it in 64 kilobyte blocks as it comes back to the console and then output it to, and then save that as your backup, right? So that means like, suppose you wanted to backup a database, it's easy as you know the MySQL you know uh, MySQL dump command and just output it to the console. We'll go and save that as as your backup. You know you're not writing to disk. You're not writing to anything other than a, a socket that is going to go yeah. directly to backblaze. But the neat That's thing awesome. is the, the the other neat thing there is like if someone says hey well I I do want to backup files how can I do that? You could use tar and then just pipe the output from tar back to the standard output. Right, so it's really cool because you could still back up those directories. You're just going to wrap yeah. it into a tar command, um, but you can also tar GZ it along the way. So you're streaming that output to the console in the same process, and you're compressing it. <laughs> and you're exactly, and you're compressing it. Um, yeah. So it's just really cool that we we've done it that way. And then um, one of the last things we're working on right now internally before this goes this goes fully live is the restore. And so yeah. what we're trying to get, figure out how to to get working right now is uh, if I if I go in, if I from the cycle interface if I click a backup that I've already done and I want to restore it, um, I should be able to have another command. But then the standard in output, not output, the standard input rather, yeah. is the, the reverse socket. So we're just gonna pipe that output right back in through the standard input. That way, uh, I mean, it's just really neat because it allows people to build like native backups. Cause like one of the things that we decided as we were doing this is we don't wanna just back up files because like suppose you said, hey, I have this database, I wanna back it up and you're just pointing it to literally like var slash lib slash MySQL. <laughs> the issue there is if we start backing up that directory and maybe one of your users or something that is consuming that database changes data or, you know in the middle of us backing it up you might have a backup that has you know literally you know different data than you expect it to have because it was created in the middle of a backup right and so it's really neat because now we are allowing our developers to use native backup functionality like mysql dump knows how to lock tables during a backup and things like that so it's just really cool of just being able to give users that native backup functionality, but abstracting it so easy that as long as they can get it to a standard output and then put and pipe it back in via standard input, they can do whatever they want with it. And yeah. so that's uh, awesome. So so that is idea is that you're running a command in your command prompt, MySQL, whatever credentials, dump this table. You know, you're basically using your greater than sign and then you basically have the cycle. A module that's basically picking up and storing it in backblaze v2 exactly so so when a container is up and running um you know it's, all, it's obviously in its own namespaces and stuff so it's isolated <laughs> from everything else what we will do is when you have your command and you can say hey here's my command and you can actually define that command with a cron string as well so even though we're not using like cron tabs or anything you can actually use a traditional cron string so you can say hey i want this to run hourly i want this to run on the third minute of every hour or however you'd want to define with your with your cron string uh, you can you can use that cron string with that command, and we will actually uh, well cycle uh, will uh, will jump inside of your container, run that command, pipe the output back out of the container into our 
compute process, which is just running on all of our customer servers. And then that compute process is what is actually taking care of moving it back to backblaze. So it makes it super easy because you don't have to install anything extra in a container to be able to use this functionality. As long as you have that, that like MySQL dump or you know, Mongo dump or whatever uh, built into that container, you don't need anything else. That just sounds super interesting. And I would say a, a great approach to solving this problem without using, utilizing you know, in this space, which you know is not surprising coming from you, Jake, because I am still super impressed with SSH proxy. Like that <laughs> is by far the most secure way to secure an environment by not enabling SSH. And so definitely not <laughs> surprised that you're able to solve it this way. So, you know, great work. And, you know, I still say that, you know, this is grounds for, um, you know, a blog post at some point, because there's a lot of cool technology that you've done and cool stuff you've done in, in making this happen. Thank you. Thank you. You know, I, I'll absolutely have to do a blog entry, but and I, I've actually heard that from even a number of our customers. Um, and, and the developers that are using Cycle is, you know, it's, it's like, hey, Jake, like, you know, we, we, we like a lot of the content you're putting out. It's really interesting. But we'd love to have a deep dive into certain of yeah. these things where it's, it's literally just nerding out for like, you know, a two and a half hour webinar on yeah. how certain things are built and, and why we've taken the decision that we have. Because like, again, like, I mean, obviously, you, you know, you, you, you know enough about Cycle to know that our approach is like we only focus on the 80 percent, right? Like there's a lot yeah. of other companies out there that try to solve every single use case, but then you have all this you know unnecessary complexities and all these yeah. other things so our goal is how can we you know, like empower our developers to do what they need to do but keeping it very simple and so that's where like when we started building this backup functionality we had like hey you know you can choose whether you want a directory or you could choose this or do you want you know like we gave like 10 different options and then it's yeah. like no 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 let's give a single command and if you want to pipe if you want to back up a directory use tar use you know some of these other things that make it so easy because i mean just like you said like our, our goal is keeping things simple, opening the door so you can use it. Um, but um, but yeah, I, I love that you brought up the, the SSH proxy. That is absolutely my favorite feature in Cycle. Um, I, I love it. Like, I, I, like, even, like, you know, again, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong in the way I explain this, uh, you know, explain Cycle to the people I talk to, right? You know, I go back about 15 years ago where if you wanted to build a website, you'd go out there and hire a web developer They'd come back, they'll build your website based on your grounded. Boom, you have a website. Fast forward to today, there's so many different platforms out there that allow you to build a beautiful website. And that's what I look at Cycle as. You know, way back when, you go and start launching your Docker Kubernetes platform, you need a DevOps engineer. Fast forward to the future, to now and the future, you don't need that. You need Cycle and it does it all for you. Oh, absolutely. And it's so neat to be able to see, like, we have, we have companies that have moved to cycle from Kubernetes. Um, and I mean, we have, we have everything from, you know, we have some, you know, smaller companies that are just using cycle to host WordPress websites to larger companies that are building AWS Lambda competitors on top of our platform, um, and doing, you know, lots of things with AI. And then we have a couple of FinTech companies that are doing like some really neat things. Uh, and then we have some networking companies that are, I mean, it's just, it's so cool because like we've empowered these companies to like, out of all the companies that are using Cycle today, I think only one of them actually has a DevOps engineer working for them. Uh, all every other customer we've had 
has realized like they, most of them came to us actually saying, hey, you know, we were getting ready to build a DevOps team, but it looks like with Cycle we don't need to. And it's really nice that some many of these companies have been on Cycle for multi years now, and that that story has continued to persist that they didn't not they they did not need a DevOps engineer to help their development team use cycle and like it's just it's just really nice to be able to, to actually sit back and say like hey we, we we set out with this goal and to actually have the results today to set to look back and, and show that we've actually accomplished that is is phenomenal and now it's just you know we need to build more awareness and being able to work with companies like backblaze to help tell that story is is huge uh, and I'm, I'm so excited for it yeah totally totally it's like you guys like the approach to solving the problem is extremely interesting and i personally you know I, I i enjoy you know learning about how the features are built every time you tell me i go wow i would have never thought of that but i'm glad you thought of it and you saw it that way <laughs> <laughs> no uh, and i mean again but i think the other thing is like you have to be okay with like scrapping something like we started this backup thing three times in the last like four weeks now and it was like only like like early last week that i'm like no, 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 we made that, like, I mean, there's so many times within Cycle that we've done that, not just with backups, but with other things where like, like you set off, like the first goal is like, hey, we're just gonna build this functionality in. And then you start thinking about it and you're like, we can make this easier on our users. And I think that's the big thing about us is with our team, we are, you know, we put a lot of focus. I mean, our story at the end of the day is all about simplicity. So if, 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 we, if we can make a function or, sorry, if we can make uh, a feature or, I guess, functionality uh, simpler for our users, even if that requires us having to rebuild something that we just started, we will absolutely do that because, you know. And, and that resonates with so many developers out there because the number of times, you know, I, you know, I don't develop much code these days, but the number of times back in the day whereby I wrote a piece of a functional code and I would come back to it a day later and I go, what the hell was I thinking? And then just scrap it and then start again from scratch because you just like look at it and you go, ah, this is not going to work long term. This is there's so many flaws in it, the way the design, the way you thought about solving the problem. And then through this process, going back to what you said, if you you know, if you if you can recognize that it's a simpler, easier way to do it, and they're willing to scrap what you did to make it simple and easy, that is the approach. And you know, it kind of also ties into you know what we do at Backblaze. We try and make things super simple for our customers. Uh, you know, from our user interface, from our APIs, and you know, us all around as a company is our goal is to you know to 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 be that simple, trusted, affordable cloud storage platform for our customers. Absolutely, and I mean, I, I, I working with, working with your team has been phenomenal. Not not just not just for obviously the performance of of you know the, the B two service, but with the team itself. Um, and like it's it's always been like anytime we've needed help, uh, the backlist team has been there to immediately jump in and say, hey, what 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 what. How can we help? What's 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 the issue? And that, that I mean, that's what you want in a partner at the end of the day is the company that's not just hey, uh, you know, we we we'd, we'd like you to help us grow our revenue, but someone who's there to help you get out of the trenches when something's not working the way it is, right? And so, which you know, I guess brings me you know to kind of the final point here is like what's next as as as, as our companies work together. And I know so obviously you and I have had enough conversations that there's a, a really big feature outside of backups uh that will be we'll we'll be working together on that'll likely be a early next year uh feature that we that we we launch and so like i don't want to i don't want to give too much of it away but i think that like we can kind of like 
I don't know. Like I'm, I'm hesitant. Like I'm trying to think. Like, like do I do I like like do I drop a hint or do I just save it? <laughs> because like it's really cool and I think it's game changing for how containers can consume storage. Um, so it's like it's so. What I would say is let's let's let let's get our audience to weigh in after this thing because we can always respond to this and give them hints. Excellent. But if you want, if you want to give a hint, I'm okay with that too. But I, I, I think my the hint that I just gave, um, it will allow containers to consume storage in a very unique way. We'll leave it at that, and we'll we'll see if if anyone can start to to guess what that is. There you go, and maybe we'll throw a prize for the winner who guesses right. Excellent. Yeah, that's, that's a great idea. We should, we should absolutely do that. And yeah. uh, for, for anyone else, you know, uh, who, who who's been you know, watching along uh, or listening, if you're on Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, or I think we're on Google Podcasts too. Um, if you have any questions uh, that, have, that have come up or you'd like to learn more about Cycle or Backblaze, uh, feel free to reach out on, on Twitter or LinkedIn, um, yeah. and we, you know, obviously we'll, we'll, we'll get back to you as, as soon as we can. And uh, yeah, no, uh, Ellen, it's been, it's been a, a great ch- chatting with you. Uh, I've really Thank enjoyed you. this conversation. Oh, thanks, Jake. It's been a pleasure as well. And, you know, really excited for, you know, what cycle you guys are doing and the future that we hold. Excellent. And I guess before we wrap up, uh, would you like to mention uh, Backblaze's Developer Day? Yes. Uh, so Backblaze is hosting a Developer Day on October 21st. Uh, it's it's good, good to be more technical focus a lot of content uh, launching new uh, partnerships as well as uh, you know allowing our customers to understand how developers consume storage in the various different use cases that some I articulated on this uh, in this podcast but you know more in general you know that's the focus you know definitely looking at highlighting you know some of the successes we've seen in terms of you know allowing our developers to build in the cloud and as well as you know continue you know getting feedback and learning from our developer audience to what we can also do to improve and be better at what we do. October, 20, October 21st, it, uh, you know, it's, 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 all the information is available on our website today. Uh, we put out a blog about it. Uh, feel free to register and uh, yeah, I look forward to seeing you guys there. Perfect. And we will definitely be there, uh, yes. our, our, our cycle team. but. Excellent. Looking forward to it. And, and again, thank you so much uh, for your time, Ellen. It's been, been great. And uh, looking forward to the next time we can do a podcast when we talk about uh, that next feature, uh, likely uh, early 2022. Um, yep. So, excellent. Great. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jake. Yeah. Cheers.